to win at this game, all you need is a pulse. Also, probably good critical thinking skills helps too. This is Game Shows, I suppose. Everybody and welcome to the niche podcast about the one thing I know something about game shows. I suppose I'm your host Jordan Haas. Whew. Hi guys. So I don't know about you, but I'm getting very sleepy. I mean, it's right now like six thirty at at night, and it's like normally at this time I'm mostly very awake and I'm ready to just get going to record the podcast so I can put it out. Wednesday at midnight, but I, uh, something about either it's Thanksgiving or it's Christmas or like the last few weeks, it's just been just exhausting for me. Like, I feel like I want to take a nap, but instead of like postponing a record podcast, I'm instead, I'm going to just uh, continue on as necessary, uh, being the adamant game show podcaster as, as I am. And, uh, we'll, we'll keep going. I hope you guys will enjoy this episode as we'll be talking about 1,000 heartbeats with Chris Lane in just a bit. But um, before we get to that, we have to get through, yeah, the news. Oh, well, first off, I mean, the Julian Huff news, America's Got Talent happened. Uh, Not really much I can really talk about other than Julian's left the show among um, other people, Gabriel Union as well. So interesting news to report there. I really got nothing on this one other than NBC is going to do NBC shit and uh, best of luck on their future endeavors. Uh, America's Got Talent is a very replaceable gig, as it turns out. So I don't know. I know they're, they're, they can move on to much better shows. Anyway, uh, also in positive news, happy 25th birthday, Game Show Network. That's right, everyone's favorite extended cable channel hosting Family Feud Repeats is celebrating 25 years. That, that's it. So, I mean, like, right now they're kind of trying to celebrate with their GSN originals, and considering they just got bought by Sony, that means lots of, um, hey, America says... I think. I think that's probably what it means. Unsure what they're going to do to celebrate. Uh, rather, it's play old GSN favorites or uh, post photos of Winnie, the GSN mascot. Remember Winnie? I do. Oh, well. <laughs> but happy uh, 25 years, Game Show Network. One of the uh, places they got a lot of people interested in game shows. Okay, now let's go into the press releases. Luckily, we only have two pieces of actual news today. Just two. This can't kill me, right? Just two bad press releases. <sighs> okay, from the rap, 
Andy Samberg to host Quibi cooking competition featuring absurdly small food. Biggest little cook-off will satiate Brooklyn Nine-Nine star's love of dinky stuff. Andy Samberg is going meta with Quibi. Of course we're going Quibi. Of course, Quibi. Of course. The Brooklyn Nine-Nine star will host a cooking competition show about bite-sized foods on the tech platform that plans to roll out its series in morsels <laughs> i'm dying uh sandberg will host biggest little cook off which quibi describes as a comedic competition series where the stakes are big and the plates are small in an absurd showdown two shop chefs will battle to create the most delicious salivating mouth-watering, scrumptious, single bite of food, according to the mobile-first media technology platform. So you made the taste, or or Extreme Chef, because both Extreme Chef and, and the taste both had the same format of the, here's the little single-serve uh, spoon. If you ever been to, like, an Asian restaurant, you know the soup spoon that's used when, when eating, like, a, a, like, an egg drop soup? What if we use that as the plate for people to make food? That's the gimmick, and they're going to make that the entire show on Quibi. <sighs> yeah, okay. Uh, it continued. Can these highly skilled chefs make spaghetti and meatballs on a plate the size of a dime? No, it's about the size of a half dollar. Sushi on a single grain of rice? Once again, impossible because sushi is rice. I don't know where they're getting out with this. It's a, it's going to be a soup spoon. Find out in Biggest Little Cook-Off. Anyone who knows me knows I love dinky stuff. So when the show about dinky food came my way, I said, I like the dinky food. Sandberg, who is also an executive producer because he's going to get paid a lot of money. That's how this works, by the way said in a statement, I'm excited to bring my expertise in dinky things to the dinky cooking arena. And I'm also excited to bring a bag lunch because the food is so dinky, I'm for sure going to still be hungry after the shows. So it's all dinky, 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 dinky. Michael Rosenstein, Stephen Krupnik, and Strew Stryberg will executive produce alongside Sandberg. The series is produced by Triage Entertainment, a levity live company. Quibi launches April 6, 2020. <sighs> I mean, fine. It makes sense. Sure, I guess. Make the best spaghetti meatballs on the soup spoon. Makes sense. Maybe the price is like a thousand bucks because it's Quibi. They're going to be cheap, but. I don't, I, I, why, how come every week I have to read about some, like, Quibi show? Look, I don't know if this is good or not. I'm not going to be the judge. I'm not trying to have any preconceived notions here. But this Quibi thing sounds like a whole lot of horseshit, and the more I'm seeing Quibi shows be announced, the more I'm thinking, well, this is just Go90 and it's going to implode within the first couple of months, and you wasted billions of dollars on horseshit. Because... Every single time I read a press release, I think I've seen that before. I've heard that before. This is not necessary. That being said, I think the little bite contest is one of my favorite tropes. And I was a big fan of the taste that maybe something like this could be very novel. And considering it's Andy Samberg, it might be a little funny as well. Which I think, oh, that'd be kind of cute, right? 
so interesting concept. Look forward to seeing it. Who knows? If it sucks, it's going to suck. But I think that's going to stay say more about the platform than necessarily the show. So congratulations. You just made Hollywood YouTube. Uh, next, I think that's final piece of news this week. Star Wars Jedi Temple Challenge. Jar Jar Binks actor will host Disney Plus game show. God fucking damn it. Look. Look. I I'm I haven't read the press release yet. I like Jar Jar Binks. That's my favorite character in episode one. I actually do like episode one. I know there's this whole like I mean, like if you go to the bug cult and all that, it's like ironic appreciation of Star Wars episode one. And I mean, like it's not an ironic appreciation and it's an actual enjoyment of Star Wars episode one. I actually do enjoy it a lot because to me that just like a new hope that was a good standalone star wars movie everything else is kind of like a you have to connect the dots like a marvel movie to understand whereas with episode one yeah you get jar jar binks being wacky but i mean he was a first fully rendered cgi character it was just kind of like a star wars version of who framed roger rabbit and plus you have a really good pod racing scene you had a good lightsaber battle it was really good also, that like millions and millions of dollars in advertising with KFC and Taco Bell and Pizza Hut. Oh man, that was good times. That like to me, I enjoy Star Wars Episode One, and, and I, I'm saying that right now uh, without any lick of irony. I enjoy it. Now, some people are gonna say it sucks, or they quote the red letter media thing, and fine. But to me, it's 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 a really fun movie to watch, and I enjoy it. I'll look like two, three. Five and six, I can let go. Any of the new Disney stuff, eh. But to me, episode one and New Hope, those are the two that I kind of enjoy. And I I think the whole Jar Jar hate kind of just was like people overprotective of the original trilogy in general. And uh, I think the whole ironic enjoyment of Star Wars episode one is also kind of tasteless. But if you want hot takes about Star Wars, just go to my Patreon, patreon.com slash Jordan Haas for Honest Haas. Anyway, let's read this press release. Uh, Star Wars Jedi Temple Challenge, a new game show aimed at kids and hosted by Jar Jar Binkster Ahmed Best, will premiere on the Disney Plus subscription service in 2020. The live-action skills game show is a first for the Star Wars brand, which is getting major Disney investment these days with J.J. Abrams, Rise of Skywalker, doing theaters this month. Fuck off. All right. Uh, expanded Jedi presence in theme parks. Yeah, yeah, okay. Live-action drama The Mandalorian, also known as Everyone Look, It's Baby Yoda, uh, on the all-new Disney Plus service. Disney's Lucasfilm is already ramping up more Jedi Universe adventures for a small screen with an Obi-Wan Kenobi series starring Ewan McGregor. Can we just get to the, the press release? Uh, the game show tests young contestants' abilities and the core Jedi principles of strength, knowledge, and bravery as they face thrilling and fun obstacles, according to Disney executives. They couldn't say Padawan? That was the perfect time to say young Padawan, and they blew it. Jesus Christ. Are they really fans of Star Wars? Jesus Christ. All right. This is definitely a kid's game show like no other, says Lucasfilm Senior Director of Online Content and Programming, Mickey Copafair. That's a real position. Like, that's really someone's job? Being the Star Wars podcast dude? Okay. Uh, the various challenges will test a Padawan's connection to the Force in three locations. 
Well, thank God someone only said Padawan. All right, a forest planet on board a Jedi star cruiser and inside a Jedi temple, immersing them and the audience in a fun, humorous, and exciting competition. Actually, okay, the fact they're kind of like separating the three zones, that's kind of fascinating to me. I'm actually kind of enjoying this. All right, let's keep going. Uh, Beth portrayed the well-intended simpleton, Jar Jar Binks. <laughs> I didn't expect to read that. <laughs> the well-intentioned simpleton, Jar Jar Binks. Jesus Christ. Way to just say, yeah, this dude was stupid. This was the stupid, not the comic relief character. Not supposed to be like the, the comedic foil character. He's the well-intended simpleton. Jar Jar Binks and Phantom Menace. In Attack of the Clones 2002, the bumbling Gungan from Naboo was the target of withering reviews. However, and the comedic leaning character was reduced to cameo status by Revenge of the Sith 2005. Best reprised the role for seven episodes of the animated Star Wars, the Clone Wars television series. Best Star Wars character has been a frequent pop culture punchline, but in recent years, the New York native has been able to embrace the infamy. Best won an Annie Award for his voice acting in 2008 episode of Robot Chicken that lampooned Jar Jar. Like, like, Jesus, Robot. So, so it's Seth Green going, all right, so you guys say, uh, Misa love the cum. Because that's like most Robot Chicken jokes. It's like, Misa horny. And then they play that Misa horny song from the 90s. Remember that? Remember that song? Yay. Jokes. All right. Uh, <clears throat> from a Disney press release, Bess's unique set of skills as an actor, dancer, martial arts expert, stomp musician, and Star Wars fan make him the perfect choice as the show's host and mentor. Bess is joined by a humorous humanoid droid companion voiced by Mary Holland from Veep and the UCB Theater. So uh, Mary Holland is on Wild Horses which is a fun uh, tr team, as well as I remember her doing Podcast the Ride recently. So I, I'm really excited to see someone in the USB lineup play a lovable droid who's probably going to be a little mischievous and funny. But it's kind of weird right now, before I finish this off, that the Ahmed Best is going to play host. Now, I don't know if Ahmed Best is going to play host host, like, hey, I'm Ahmed Best, this is Jedi Challenge, or is it going to be... Like, he's going to play a new character. Like, he's going to pretend to be like an Obi-Wan, like some sort of trainer. Or is he going to play Jar Jar Binks? Who knows? Uh, Star Wars Jedi Temple Challenge brings together the best of Star Wars, competitive spirit, harrowing obstacles, a hero's triumph over challenges in a totally new format for the franchise, said Dan Silver, Vice President of Originals, Unscripted Content, Disney+. Plus. A game show send to Star Wars Galaxy is a perfect fit for Disney+. Plus. <sighs> well, you know, like, um, normally I'd be going like, ah, fuck this, ah. Okay, so here's why I, I kind of enjoy this idea. Because, yeah, it's going to be another Star Wars thing, and it's Disney, and it's branding, and whatever. But here's something that I want to focus on right now. Is, yes, it's a corporate tie-in for Star Wars, and it's a kid's game show. But in, in my recollection, I don't think I've ever really seen, aside from, like, as a one-off gag, something based off a media property like Star Wars. Like, this is an authentic Star Wars game show for kids led to be Star Wars. I think that's clever. I think that's 
great. I think, like, the last time I can think of, like, a game show based off, like, a media property was, like, Secrets of the Crypt Keeper's Haunted House. And, like, really? Is that going to be, like, the, the memory or the Ben 10 challenge on Cartoon Network? We, with Star Wars, at least you can have, like, some sort of, like, storyline as to why this exists. And because of the set dressing of Star Wars, which is, you know, far out planets, the drones, stormtroopers, all that. While it's supposed to be a story about fascism bad, hey, why not teach kids to be Antifa, right? That's, I think, what it should be the lesson for. So I kind of am looking forward to seeing how they do this. Because, one, Star Wars game show, and it's me. And two, Ahmed Best is hosting this. And yes, Ahmed Best. And, and three, Mary Holland is here too. So it's like a trifecta for me of like, wow, cool UCB person. Jar Jar's here. And it's a Star Wars game show. Neat. Hell yeah. I'm actually on board with this. Now, is it going to probably suck? Is it going to be on the cheap? I don't know. If done correctly, this can be actually one of the most innovative children's game shows of the last 20 years. Like, this could be even more popular than Legends of the Hidden Temple. And yes, the title is Star Wars Jedi Temple Challenge. So I'm led to assume there's going to be like a sci-fi hidden temple here too, which I'm also fascinated by. How are they going to do like a hidden temple maybe? For, for the Star Wars thing. There's a lot of speculation I can I can dig up and go, whoa, what about this? What about that? That this is going to be very exciting. This might be one of the few shows where it's like, maybe I want to get a Disney Plus subscription just to check it out. But that's about it for the news. There's, there's nothing else. So uh, I guess we can get started with a fun review. So because there was a slow news day and because we are approaching the home stretch of 2020, there's going to be a little bit new game shows here and there, maybe a lot of new formats all over the place. And one new show that I saw was on Nickelodeon. Actually, I saw a couple new shows. One new one will be coming up after the uh, dissection today. But I saw this show called America's Most Musical Family. Now... The funny thing is, I saw it on demand, but it turns out it's the first episodes on YouTube as well, so I could have just saw it there. Now, I haven't figured out the full format yet, because this is a singing competition show, but it is kind of a fascinating thing, and let me explain. <clears throat> Imagine a show where they decided, you know what, skip the audition process, let's just go straight to the singing round. That's what they kind of did here for America's Most Musical Family. Uh, so the episode I saw, it was uh, five families. Each of them get to sing one song, and they still have the stereotypical, they sing the song, and then there's the three judges, and they get to offer their criticisms. Now, what I find funny is two of the three I have heard of. One is Ciara. I, I know Ciara, and I know Debbie Gibson. And I think that's what's kind of funny. It's I think they're trying to go for different groups of families because Debbie Gibson is probably for the moms and dads. Ciara is probably for people my age. And then you have social media influencer David Dobrik. I don't know who the hell he is. 
And I, I'm seeing him, and I'm going to keep saying this. I don't believe social media stars should be ever on television because they always have a one-dimensional personality, and that includes him as a judge on this show. Because everyone's trying to be the say nice things because I guess it's a feel-good family show. But this is like everyone's going, including David, going, wow, that's great. You're a great singer. Wow. It's just, I just, I wanted to skip the judges' things. It's hosted by Drew Lachey, brother of Nick Lachey. So you can see why it's a musical family, because he's from a musical family. You get it? Pretty fun, right? So, um. The it's a singing show where it's I think they're in the qualifying round. So what they're gonna do is the group of five of the five three survive, two get eliminated, and then I'm guessing they're gonna do a whole tournament bracket thing until they're down to maybe five, and then they'll pick their one winner of the five. Uh what I find interesting about the show is the grand prize is a recording contract, like every one of these singing shows, for a quarter million dollars, which is, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, the original prize given to people on The Voice was a quarter million dollar contract. So that's kind of interesting. The fact that this, which is, by the way, on Nickelodeon, exists. I don't really care much for singing shows that often. I watch The Voice because, you know, sometimes it's really interesting to see the different groups because you have a pop singer, a rock singer, a country star, and an R&B singer try and, and pick musicians and try and mold them into a certain genre. With uh, X Factor in the UK, you know, and they're broken into groups, men, women, group. And with something like Idol, it's just a singing show. And they kind of want to really amp up the you're a pop star aspect to it this does not really do that this kind of feels like i and i'm going to say this in, in a nice way this feels like the modern interpretation of star search this is star search but on nickelodeon and instead of a comedy act or dance act or whatever it's just musical families and the show is sluggish at times but I appreciate the way that they handle, let's introduce the families. It's not all just sob story. It's all just, let's have fun. We're a family. We love to sing. Do, do, do. It gives me that same upbeat feel as Great Christmas Light Fight, which is something I also really enjoy. This is kind of a guilty pleasure show watching. I really thought I was going to go into it disliking it because, ugh, another singing show. We've seen this before. This is cheap. And yeah, there, it, sometimes it is cheap and some things I dislike, but I think as far as a family game show that's centered around singing that is about finding musical families, it is great. It is a fantastic show. One thing I focus on whenever I'm looking at something for families is if you're going for a family dynamic, I have to see it and see, is it something for me to watch? You know, like a 30-year-old. Is it something for uh, an, an older family, like a 40-year-old, 50-year-old? Is there something for an 8-year-old, a 9-year-old, a 10-year-old in this that could actually help them out? Is there something for teenagers? There's a few teenagers on the show. And I think that's also kind of interesting is when you think family, 
I originally thought, okay, they're just going to get the mom, the dad, the two kids, like family double there, or they're going to get like uh, the the mom and the kid, and that's it. But no, they actually went out of their way to get like a trio of brothers, like it's Hanson or the brother sister group, and then their dad on backup. Things like that are very clever and actually kind of interestingly enough create some sort of dynamic that's kind of like genre breaking when it comes to the music some i mean they're singing pop songs they're singing very cheap clearance songs but when they are singing the songs it's not like here's a karaoke pop version of it it feels like this is their own interpretation of the song because it can be a country version of the song it could be a country and then slightly pop and I enjoy that quite a lot, actually, that going into it thinking, "Ugh, this is garbage. This is not going to be fun. Drew Lachey's hosting. He's never really hosted a really good singing show. Yeah, he's still bad at singing and hosting shows, but the concept itself is good. The contestants they have is good. The format, I don't know yet, but I'm going to assume it's like a tournament style. Five to go gets three, five to three, five to three, five to three, meaning you have about 15 families. When you have 15, then you can break that into threes, three, three, threes. And then you can be done with nine. With nine, then you can have like a, a, a round where you can get three more or or add one more and and then you can have like one of the nine plus one of the judges favorites so you have 10 two to two and then you of the 10 you can go to your five to pick your one something like that's probably what's going to happen and i enjoy uh listening to the show i mean i don't know any of the the contestants off the top of my head I really can't like go like, oh man, the, the the blah blah family really knocked it out of the park. And the only concern I have is how many of these singing families are also just show moms and show dads, and they're really trying to push their kid to a singing career, kind of like stage moms and dads. And maybe it's like, well, the mom wanted to be a singer. So I'm going to push it on my kid to be the musician. And now I'm going to sing with her and we're going to be a great family. Something like that feels like it's you're going to be on the show or already happened and I don't even know about it yet. But while the hosting is bad, one of the judges, really one-dimensional, the music is good. The setting is good. It really did exceed my expectations of what a singing game show could be and if they if Nickelodeon had like an ounce of of like clearance like they would have marketed the heck out of the show this should be a show that it's like you better tune in Friday night you better tune in and watch this because we have great musical families you, like it sounds to me like Nickelodeon doesn't know what they want to do with their mainline channel and this is an unscripted show and it looks to me like a lot of their unscripted shows are up in the air right now. Like they just axed uh, Double Dare. Does this mean Keep It Spotless is next? What happened to Paradise Run? Whatever happened to Artist Run in the Fifth Grader? Didn't they just make Crystal Maze? I don't know what any of these are going to do. I don't know where they're going to belong. This is a show that definitely should be kept. But it also sounds to me like they don't know what to do with this.
because this is still the SpongeBob rerun channel. This is the Paw Patrol channel in the Loud House show. If it was me and I had some sort of ounce of like uh, scheduling or marketing, I would make sure that this show is on SNCC. This is like we're bringing the SNCC back. Like we have all that. We have the fun, all that that's returned. We have Are You Afraid of the Dark? I think they just returned for Halloween. Why not you put the two together? Like, author all that, and after Are You Afraid of the Dark, America's Most Musical Family at 9 o'clock. You have your two-hour block. You're good. Something like that could easily improve this show. But uh, I'm not seeing a lot of marketing. I'm not seeing a lot of advertising. I didn't know about this until the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. So they need some better marketing, I feel, because this is an actual good show that they have, and I'm seeing it squandered, and that is a shame, an absolute shame, because you have musical families, very talented things. It's getting kids excited about music. It's getting parents excited to sing with their kids. It doesn't matter how old they are. Older, younger, everything in between, it is a fascinating show that it's like if you're a parent, I recommend you show your kids the show. It's actually really good. If you're a kid, you might enjoy it because they have like silly like things like show your family handshake. And I think that's also very cute. This is uh, so this has so much potential. And as much as I'm like praising it, I fear in the back of my head, this is a one and done show because they haven't marketed it well and there should be lots of marketing this should be a big big show i i thought it was gonna suck i was wrong this was great this was a great show uh my letter grade for it is a b and i recommend if you can find it it's on youtube give it a listen give it a watch i think you'd be pleasantly surprised Normally, at this part of the show, I come in to come up with a fun introduction for the history of A Thousand Heartbeats, explain the concept of the show, a fun little blab about it, but the weird thing is I kind of talk about the history during the interview. Yes, it, it seems to be a trope that almost every other episode we talk about a game show from the United Kingdom, but a lot of formats are okay, a lot of them, eh. But to me, 1,000 Heartbeats was one of those forgotten gems of a game show that came out in the last decade. It was a show that was innovative, but still familiar. And something about the creation of the show was fantastic. The games being played were well-versed. 
and the sort of things that I had a problem with in the first season were improved and fixed upon in the second, that it goes to tell you that the 1000 Heartbeats production and staff really did want to make a positive change and wanted to change people's perceptions on what a game show could be. Yes, it followed some of the same tropes with Vernon Kay as the host and that same if you blow it, you lose all the money and it's only like a few thousand pounds. It doesn't matter. What made this such an exciting format was the way that they handled tension, the way that they handled quizzing, and the way that they handled problem solving. And all it took was just a simple heart rate to make what amounts to be one of the most exciting game shows on UK television. Folks, let me introduce you to 1000 Heartbeats with my friend Chris Lane. Let's turn the table. With me on the line is one of my good game show buddies and and connoisseur of video game music of all kinds, Chris Lane. Well, welcome to the show. Thanks, Jordan. It's so good to be here tonight. Uh, this is one of those the rare episodes where it's like, get someone who relatively knows a bit about game shows, also relatively knows a thing or two about a lot of things, uh, and then show them something that they did not know anything about. Yes, and I have you to thank for this because I had absolutely no clue that this show even existed until a couple months ago when you brought it to my attention. And might I just say thank you? It, it's one of the fun games because when it's like, hi, I want to get friends on the podcast, Chris sends the. Can I do the chair? Can I do the chair? <laughs> and it's like. Well, at the time, I didn't know any better. What was funny was, um, and I had told you this before, uh, I can remember when the chair was first on the air. And um, I would watch it nonstop. And I was just like, okay, we would be watching it at work. And it was just amazing. <laughs> so I didn't really know any better until you brought uh, 1000 Heartbeats to my attention. Because you have a background in health and these whole respiratory uh, beats per minute calculation things. And it was like, okay, that's fascinating. You know, the, the, how to do the heart rates, how they measure that. I don't know anything about that stuff. Well, uh, cardiac monitoring has been my bread and butter since uh, 1999 when I was years old. Um, and it's one of those things where we would watch the chair at work because it was one of those things where it was like, okay, well, this is kind of cool. Something like a game show de uh, dedicated to heart rhythms is kind of weird, you know. So, And I worked on the cardiac unit. I've been monitoring them for 20 years. And it's just one of those things where I can appreciate the uh, physiological side of it as long as well as the uh, general entertainment side of it. And that's why you decided to play it at the hospital and bring out in, like an alligator at one point or may maybe even like yell at somebody and throw tennis balls at them. Well, we had I had one coworker. <laughs> Hi, Sue. I had one coworker that I used to scare the shit out of all the time when we were doing stuff, and she would jump back like ten feet and then hit me and call me an asshole. Those are the days. That's me. Those are some. <laughs> those are good coworkers. Well, that would be me too. I don't do jump scare. I am a puncher when it comes to those uh, startles, men. So yeah, I'm with I'm with I'm with her on that one. <laughs> uh, 
and like we'll eventually cover the chair i think the chair is one of those things where it's kind of like okay you put because people get that confused with the chamber a lot and the chair is a much better game show uh but there's a much better if you're going for just based on on heart rate there's a much better game show but the catch is it never aired in america shocking it aired in britain and it aired for two series and it's a fascinating game show. One of my favorites that come out in the last decade, and it's called 1,000 Heartbeats. Uh, it's an interesting story. Do you want me to tell you about the origins? Absolutely. So the game who, the, who okay, so when you think game designers, you know, it's usually like you, you think of like, here's the producer of a game, or here's like you're, you're more of Griffin's or you're, like someone at Fremontal Media or Endemol worked in an office. The right. guy who created this is a guy by the name of Paul Ferrer. And you may not know who that guy is. I did not. You know what? I was doing a little bit of research, and it was actually kind of funny because I was curious to know if there was any relationship to John Ferrer, who was a music producer. Uh, I mean, they're both music pr- people. They're both music-minded people. Right. Mm-hmm. But Paul Ferrer is the composer of the Weakest Link theme. All of that do 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 do. And you know that. what? When it, when, it, when it came to... You know what? Now that you mention it, there is a lot of Weakest Link-esque to that in a way when you think about it. Well, that's where I was getting at. He's a music composer. His whole heart... His, I hate to say his whole passion is music composition. His whole heart, really? Did you have to say yeah, it like that? his heart is in music. And it's this... Okay. And it's in composition and music, a lot of game shows, a lot of reality shows, background work. And he. this is what he does for a living. And one day he was at a gym listening to music. And when he was on the treadmill, his heart was, you know, pumping. And he noticed mm-hmm. it was in tempo to the music he was listening to. And he was thinking, would this be an interesting idea to have a game show based on the heartbeat? So that's how this came to be. I never knew that. And the tempo, because his whole background is in music, what if the slower your heartbeat is, the slower the music is on the show? And then the more nervous you get, of course, the more heart beats faster. So the faster the music gets. Now, in his original pitch for 1,000 Heartbeats, he was going to have a full-on orchestra. Like, all of it. (laughs) Like, we're talking... Uh, tubas, xylophones. So uh, we're talking like the uh, Royal Philharmonic here. Yeah, we're going like 88-piece orchestra. And it's game show. They don't yeah, have that, the budget. That, 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 wouldn't have, uh, that wouldn't have made them broke, would it? Uh, so instead, they, they vouch for a string quartet. Which did it beautifully, incidentally. And I will say, I think it gives it a more classic vibe of a show than just having a full-on orchestra. Uh, and it gives it a, um, it gives it like a, um, a, it gives it a little bit of um, light class. It gives a light class, and it's the only game show in my recent recollection where there is a live orchestra of some kind playing while the game is being is going on in its proceeding. So it was the only time that you that it's also the only time I'm aware of where there was actually live music being performed at the time of the show's actual live taping. Well, I mean, I know because you can think don't forget the lyrics or uh, name well, that tune. Uh, putting uh, putting musical based game shows aside. 
Okay, like an original soundtrack. Yes, exactly. Yes. Okay. And if you notice the uh the 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 guy in the hat, that little black hat man, the little yes. com- the man who's 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 articulating, who who's who's orchestrating the music. That's that Paul Fair. He's the creator I knew, of the show. I, I feel, and as soon as you as soon as you led that up, I was like, "That's got to be him." It's him. So the guy who created the show is at every episode, and he's the one. Now that's kind of cool, though, because that doesn't happen often. And he's orchestrating the music. He's singing the strings, and they have a heart, and they're having in their ears. They have the tempo, so they're hearing doom, 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 doom. Do they have like a little metronome in their ear? Yes. So that's why you're oh, hearing it go do 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 do. And when they do the games, this is why I love the show so much. Because there's so many ways of facets of looking at this game. It's the tech. It's the the way they're handling games and trivia. There's so many layers. But we're starting with the orchestra because it's the main, this is the core mechanic that makes the game work. It's this, they have the earpiece that has a metronome. And the most basic, like, theme song that's in every, and every level there's there the game is simple there's seven games and then one final cash out game there's eight in total and each one of those has their own unique soundtrack of course you know as the levels get higher the money builds up and so does the string music it goes from like a do 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 where it's like you know, like a high high pitch, like like almost like a like a dance sequence into more right. of like a chase sequence. And when, right, so it's like it's like we're going from a ballroom dance to a car chase. Yes, and it it's I mean I I we, and all of the sounds by the way are are I think on YouTube on Paul Fair's official YouTube channel, and I, I did don't notice know the, they were online. And I think the tempo is at 100. I think he put it on 100 beats per minute. Okay. Uh, not because resting heart rate or everything. I think it's just because 100 is easier. Because if your resting heart rates are on 60, they'll be 60% slower. So it'll be at 60%. And then if it's right. at 120, it'll go 120. <laughs> A little slightly right. faster. And it's fun well, hearing it's, like it... the same do, 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 do. And then go slow, like if you're familiar with that 100, and then suddenly it's like do 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 do. That sounds that when it gets that slow, it sounds like a music box. It is, and it's great because then it's like a thinking song. And then if someone's having nerves because their nerves are getting shot because they're seeing their the ticking by, they're seeing their 1,000 tick away to 999, 998. Maybe they don't know the answer. They're freezing up. Suddenly. Their heartbeat spikes up. Maybe they're over-caffeinated. Suddenly that same do-do-do-do-do-do goes do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-
There is a guy strapped to a heart monitor, uh, which, which is incidentally, wireless. where is this heart monitor? I was looking for it. Uh, now, it is I can a, tell you strapped right to their chest and they wear a shirt over it. It's a wire. Because it's I'm a... going to, because I'm going to tell you something. The ones that they wear in the hospital, they're still like the size of like three bricks. I'm look. I mean, have they thought about manufacturing these for hospitals? Because the patients would love them because they're so, they look so light. They are very light. Uh, it's one of those like basically like a sticker. It's like one of those sticker things. Uh, I, I would like to say um, best way to explain it is I don't know if you know this, but when you know, you know stimulated things for muscle stimulations, the, like those little yes. stickers, mm-hmm. it's like one of those about the size of one of those. And then there's a little signal that is strapped to a computer that's next to a laptop that shows like the beats per minute it's displayed on one screen. So you mean that so you mean to tell me they were able to put a whole at least a at least a heart rate reader as the size of one electrode when the patients at the hospital have to wear like six of these things? Yes. That's that's driving me crazy. Uh cuz the tech <laughs> was just new technology by the way. It well, was like hot new tech we're- of the wireless heart monitor. Well, we're still using telemetries from like about 15 years ago. Those things are heavy as hell. Uh, and it's, it's funny because in this day and age with tech, I'm surprised they haven't gone the wrist route yet. I mean, I'm sure if they went, th- if they had more seasons, they'd probably do wrist route. Um, uh-huh. but, okay, but it, I, was cur- I was curious about that. So that's good to know. Thank you. I appreciate it. So there that. is seven games. For every game that they complete, as in you complete this one trivia game, uh, one is one set with seven answers game two is uh two sets was six then it goes three to five four to four like, like it keeps going one seven sets of one it just keeps like it's an invert of what happens uh From seven to one invert seven to one where game seven is you have to complete one sequence uh called a recall uh it's it's interesting the way it handles so the first game, if you complete it, it's 250. It's 250 pounds. Yay. Remember, it's a game show. It's cheap. Uh, 500 yes. for game two. 1,000 for game three. 2,500 game four. 5,000 game five. 10,000 for game six. And 25,000 for game seven. Uh, <laughs> and you're playing not against the clock uh, by means of time. So not seconds, not minutes but rather a biorhythm clock based on your own heartbeats. In other words, stay calm and nobody gets hurt. Stay calm, no pressure. Uh, and then, like, it, it's an interesting game. So what happens... I do, I do have to say, it is a very interesting concept. Uh, just having your own natural rhythm be the countdown timer. Very interesting, unique concept. And even though there have been a couple of other game shows in the past, you know, like you mentioned the chair, you mentioned the chamber, none of them actually use the actual pulse as the clock, as the actual game clock. So this was actually pretty original. And I love it um, because that means if you're a calm dude, you're, you're staying cool under pressure, you're just answering questions correctly, you might be done in maybe like 60 heartbeats because 60 beats per minute. <laughs> so you could be right. done in like... One we minute, discuss, you're done. We will be discussing this later on today. Uh, versus if you're an over-caffeinated, woo-woo-woo, siren person, uh, or someone who has done a whole lot of speed or meth or <laughs> drugs. Can I, get, can I give a quick story real quick as far as we're talking about uh, 
caffeination. Yes. Uh, uh, when I, the way that I do my job is I sit in a centralized room with a bunch of other technicians. That it's just basically wall-to-wall cardiac monitors in this room. Well, I was sitting next at my one job, sitting next to my coworker. She drank, and I'm not kidding, she would drink three 24-ounce Red Bulls in a 12-hour shift. And then she would be complaining at about five in the morning. I work overnight at five in the morning. My gosh, my heart feels like it's racing. And I would look at her and go, are you serious? So one night I said, she was like, oh, I'm going to start. I'm going to start my shift. I said, give me one of your Red Bulls. Oh, no. She's like, what are you? And she's like, what are you talking about? I said, I'll buy you another one in the machine. Give me one of them. I said, and I went, I grabbed one of the cardiac script monitors. I put myself on it. I turned the screen on. I said, now I want you to watch this. And I chugged this thing down like she does. Because she would drink this in like two gulps. So I chug it whole down. Now, my resting heart rate is about 90. Well, in the course of about three minutes, my average pulse just sitting there went up to about 130. And I started shooting off all these abnormality beats. Uh-oh. And she's looking at the screen. She was like, what's going on with your heart? I said, and you drink three of these in a shift. You tell me. <laughs> And incidentally, I do love Red Bull, so I'm not trying to bash it. I do enjoy a Red Bull. And the but, FDA uh, says 400 milligrams of caffeine is the maximum uh, per use per day. Yes. However, the thing is, is that how many servings are in that 24-ounce can? Two. <laughs> but I mean, serve in one of those little cans. I mean, like, what do you want me to do? Like, put thing, it in a refrigerator? Or? I'll tell you one thing, though. The bitch never fell asleep during a shift. That's for sure. No, oh, hey. <laughs> <laughs> she never fell asleep once. That's my pet peeve. I was like, wow, okay, this works out good. But man, was I climbing the walls that day because I never drank one that fast. I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I was like Siren Man. And the, it's fun. So there is uh, consequences. If you, if you get a question incorrect during your 1,000 <clears throat> heartbeats, <clears throat> you get like an urt noise. And it gives this fake electric shock effect to your, your resting heart. It doesn't shock you, by the way. We're not electrocuting anybody on this show. Yeah, but could you imagine if it did? Like a little, no, not, I would, not, I would hate that. <laughs> no, it, it would be like if you're playing a PlayStation game and you vibrate. Um, and it takes away... Uh, I'm, not talk- I'm not talking about 1.21 gigawatts here. I'm talking like a little vibrator on a friggin' like PlayStation. Oh, like a voop noise? Yeah, like bloop. Uh, Just you lose to go, 50 heartbeats, by the way. You lose 50. Which is a costly. And if at any point you you need to really do take a break or the category is not up your alley, you can walk off the plate, lose 100 heartbeats, and they take that from your score, and then you get a whole new category. Now, what I do like about it, though, is that if it's a multi-question uh, segment... Like, if you have to have four answers done. What I did like about it was if you do step off and you already answered two right, you only had to answer another two. I like that they, I liked the fact that they didn't reset it. Uh, that was one thing I thought they were going to do, by the way, in early rounds. It's like, uh-oh. Um, and then well, that's what I thought they were going to do. And then when they said, okay, you only have to answer two, it was like, oh, wow, that's a relief. So you would take, you'd rather lose the 100 and not risk... Uh, well, what I could totally see and what, what I did notice from the episodes I have seen, I'm surprised that more contestants didn't take advantage of that, especially if they had low heart rates by default. Because, like, let's say a four-part question comes up and you know three of the four. 
I would just go one, two, three, step off and hope that I got something that I only had to answer one that I knew the answer for. I think in some ways it could have been very effective, but I really don't think that a lot of the contestants took that to their advantage. I think they spent too much time pondering and like, oh, what should I do? Meanwhile, they lost it already 60 beats waiting for them to make the decision. Then they lost another 100 when they stepped off. I think that I think it could have been used to a better potential. I don't think any of the contestants actually used it to that potential, though. Not that we've seen. And usually when it comes to this game, uh, people forget that it's not so much beating the one game because as you continue up the scale, the games get crazier and crazier. A compare and contrast is round one. It's basically like a diss or down. You don't know Jack. Here's two answers. Which one fits what? Um, then there's uh, in round two. Uh, it's usually like a puzzle game, like figure out the word with the letters that are rotating around. Or uh, here's six items put in order from least to greatest or earliest to most recent. Yep. Uh, round three games are typically uh, here's like a photo. Can you find like where it belongs? That's called a assemble. Uh, that that one drives me to drink. Why? It's a fun puzzle game. I because I I look at it. And I'm like it's six, and then the guy goes, "Okay, six. Eh. I'm like, "What?" And I look at him like, "Oh, there's an eye I didn't see. There's an eyeball I didn't see. There's a mouth I didn't see." It's it. I I think it was it confused me when I when I first saw it. I didn't realize that some of the pictures were inverted and upside down. I was like, oh, that's why I didn't notice it. I didn't think it was going to be that difficult. But I'm very easy. I'm very easy to uh, confuse sometimes. And that just did it for me. Uh, then there's games like connect which ones to which statement. Uh, there is games where there is the one you were talking about. There's uh, eight answers. Four of the eight match this criteria. Which of these are correct? Which of these are incorrect? Mm -hmm. uh, then there's the one you were talking about called Keep Up, where there was a bunch of balls, like purple, yellow, blue, and they had numbers on them. And then there were statements like, uh, take the, the most, uh, the highest number and subtract it by the lowest yellow number. Now, that one I'm actually pretty decent at. Actually, that was the one I was yelling at the TV the other night when the guy was doing the math. I'm, and I'm screaming like, it's 192. And he's going every other number that ends in two and starts with a one. And I'm looking at him and he's so calm. And I'm like, oh, come on. Will you say something? Come on. It's obvious. About a minute and a half later, he was like, step off. I'm like, are you serious? And he gets a new set of numbers. It's great. Uh, <laughs> and then there is yeah, for, the recall is the, the last one. one. And it's uh, there's an 11 uh, there's an there's an eleven uh, character sequence, and it's numbers or letters, kind of like if you won like a gift card and you have to fill it in at your Amazon or or Sony store. Yep. And I was like, what if you had that in the back and then told memorize all this while you had a heart monitor for twenty five thousand? Um, the fun part is the uh, the game Cash Out would be. Uh, <laughs> Would be the final game. So everyone always thinks it's the seven games, but there's that final game that's actually the real hiccup to the show, and it's the one that I say is my favorite and what keeps me coming back to watching the show. It's because well, because this, this is this is the round where the money counts. You either this is where make the money counts. So you imagine you made to like level five, and you're like, you know what, five thousand's good for me. I'm done. I only have like two hundred heartbeats left, or a hundred and something left. 
you have to play one final game because it's a British game show. You have to do an all or nothing situation in these shows because the producers don't want yeah. to cash out. Yeah, millionaire, this is not. There is no safety net at a thousand pounds. And it's a game called Cash Out, and it, I love it because it's so simple. You have to get five true or false questions correct in a row. And you know what's funny? They are the hardest true and false questions I've ever seen. No, they're not. They're they're fine. Some, some of them, I'm looking at it, and I because they're so. The, it look. It's one of those things where with that round. You get you get told the statement, and it's like true, or f- and it's one of those things where you know it's true or you know it's false, but you start doubting yourself. You're like, well, wait a minute, and you start thinking, and then you start overthinking it, and then you give the wrong answer. If you give a wrong answer any time, you lose. Uh, you just be twenty five because the wrong answer gauge. But in round in season two, which is my favorite season, you lose fifty. Mm-hmm. In season one, which you didn't see. Uh, they would actually start the clock right when the game began. Well, I, I did see the premiere episode. So when you hear the word season. play was when the game would start. But it used right. to be, like, let me read off all the questions. So uh, what is the following do-do-do-do? But when you do that, what is the following do-do-do-do? You're eating up at least 30 seconds of time. Right. Which is unfair for a contestant who might not have that many heartbeats left because they can't even right. answer a damn question yet. Right. And especially if they're, um, you know, if they're already stressing out, which, again, I'm going to get to later on in the podcast. Yeah, cash out, then they can't. Uh, so for cash out, if you got four out of five right, and then the fifth one they got wrong, eh, you lose 50 and you must start again. <laughs> Queen has had three number one singles, true or false? Uh, Barbara Streisand was born in Canada, true or false? Owen Wilson is the voice of the of uh, Sully in the Monsters Incorporated, true or false? I hope you're not asking me. Because... I'm not, <laughs> but those are like the level of questions. <laughs> like it's right. what. Right, and it, it's just how it is. Like some of them, it's like, okay, well, I know the answer, but wait a minute. Then you start doubting yourself, and that's the problem. When you start doubting yourself on a show like this, especially when you're nervous and your is going up, that it just eats away at the available time. While you hear doot, 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 and plus, as it goes up, it starts to get doot, doot, the way that you're doing it, are you sure you're not related to Baby Shark? I mean, it is somewhat of a do 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 Now imagine it's slower. I had to bring that up. I had to bring that up. Do 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 And and it's it's what makes it fascinating is uh for for Paul Fair. Uh, this was his like big game show and it lasted 55 episodes. It ended in 2016. Uh, I'm blaming Brexit myself. Um, and, uh, it ended up, I, and the, the quartet, uh, Sarah, Carolina, Haley, and uh, Linus, you could actually book them. Like they actually, at one point you could have booked them for events. (laughs) Like you could have booked the quartet for a wedding or. Oh my gosh, that's that. Could you imagine like having them at a wedding? Like, oh my gosh, 
like, oh yeah, we're gonna we're gonna play as your heart stops. I think as your heart runs out of juice. (laughs) If I had like a partner and I said, "Can we book the quartet from the game show?" I would have to have a very trusting partner. (laughs) Well, hopefully they would be into game shows. (laughs) They would be. They would be. Fuck yes. Because if it was anybody else, it would be like, "Oh shit, get out of here!" Game show podcast again, really? (laughs) Um. So. Uh, the, the the team that, that does this, uh, the production company is called Hungry Bear Media. Uh, they're currently working on things like Judge Ramesh and uh, Michael McIntyre's Big Show. Other than that, they kind of are a small-time network. This aired on ITV, and the last thing we need to bring up in terms of the show, because we talked about the game, the levels, uh, we have to talk about the set, we have to talk about strategies, and we have to talk about Vernon Kay. Vernon K is the host of 1000 Heartbeats and he's kind of like a uh, he's kind of a, like a, a well-known name in the world of game shows in the UK. Who am I to not talk about game shows in the UK without Vernon K? Vernon uh, that would be like that would be like talking about UK game shows and not bringing up the late great Bruce Forsythe. Exactly. It's nice to see you. It's nice to see you. Nice. All right. Uh so I'm sorry folks. I'm a big fan of Hot Streak. I'm Hot streak of the the U.S. hot streak. I keep I keep wishing that um, Buzzer would get would start airing that. I mean, it is a Reg Grundy show. Fremantle has it. I mean, they might have to air that in competition with that Get a Clue show coming soon with Belushi as host. Well, you but- know what's funny? I also had a um at one time I had a contact with some of the guys that ran uh, Rucksack over in Germany, which was their version of Hot Streak. And uh, the the guy had set me up with a bunch of um, studio masters from episodes from all over the world of Hot Streak because they had done a special. So they had gotten a lot of uh, the studio masters. And I have to say that it was a very uh, solid show, but that's for another day. And well, no, like that was a big popular show in in Germany. And yes, I have to eventually talk about Rucksack. Yeah, it ran for... Let me see. From eighty seven to I want to say almost two thousand and one. I want to say, and then it was brought back. A yeah, they brought years back ago for, for their two. version of the Game Show Marathon. Yeah, because uh, everyone loves when celebrities play game shows and and have a fun field time. Uh, so for Vernon K, he hosted one of the Game Show Marathons. Now I think about it, <laughs> he hosted the Game Show Marathon in the UK. See, I knew we were going someplace with it. Anton Deck did one, and so did Vernon. So Anton, uh, so Vernon, Vernon, uh, he was basically like a, a like originally like a, a, a DJ uh, as one of those early time of Radio One presenters who worked their way into music videos, mm-hmm. uh, and then work his way into the world of hosting other shows. He hosted things like wait 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 wait, wait, wait. I'm sorry. Did you say he was on Radio One at one time? Yeah, that's where I knew the name before this. He was a long time the guy who did the top forty. That's it. I, you know why? Because I kept saying to myself, I know this guy's voice from somewhere. He and also I did fill-ins for Chris Moyles, which is the morning guy, yep. a real one. And yeah. back in and back in the day when BBC One was on uh, XM, Sirius XM. Yep, that Vernon K. I used to listen to it all the time. I was like, okay, so now, okay, total light bulb just turned on. Okay, I got it. Oh no! If I go if I go through the entire list of Radio One people from the Sirius XM era, BBC Radio One, 
I can probably tell you most of them are still on TV. Like Emma Willis uh, is also a Radio 1 person who wound up oh. doing Big Brother, for instance. She was a lady after. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, shoot. So Vernon, uh, he's the he's the current, quote, quote, I have to put in air quotes because it's rare when it airs, quote, quote, current host of Family Fortunes in the UK. So they're a family okay. few. Okay. <laughs> he hosted uh, their version of Game Show Marathon. We brought that up. He hosted their version of Beat the Star, one of my favorite German game shows. <laughs> Schlogged and Rob, or Schlogged oh and Star. <laughs> he hosted the whole 19 Yards, uh, which was this weird uh, physical challenge-based game show that was pitched for NBC with Hardwick. Never got picked up. Uh, Skating with the Stars. Uh, their version of, uh, there's a Sing If You Can uh, which is kind of like killer karaoke, but not as good. Uh, and I think he also did Splash. Uh, he always does these like weird, different game shows. And American audiences will know Vernon K for only maybe one show. Uh, a cl- uh, an iconic U.S. game show called The Million Dollar Mind Game. Oh, jeez. Have you heard of Million Dollar Mind Game? I've heard of it, but I've never had the opportunity to see it. Okay, so it was based off a Russian game show called What, Where, When. Okay. And it was all lateral thinking questions. Okay, that's interesting. And the idea was you were a group of six, like you and five of your friends would form a group. For every question you got, you got a ladder... But you all had to have a majority rule on every question and a majority rule on the answers. Uh, and okay. these were insane lateral thinking questions. Uh, I want to see if I can grab one without uh, just stealing the uh, bit. All right. All right. All right. Uh, here we go. Here is a question for you from the Million Dollar Mind Game. Feel free if you want to play along or... Don't know. Imagine there's a tiny black box in front of you. Like, the bigger okay. than a bread box, it's a little smaller than that. Some okay. early Americans believe that the item inside this black box is created when heat makes the soul living inside so angry that it bursts out of its home. Today, a couple might share it on a date. What is it? Oh my gosh! Um, you have sixty seconds. Go. <laughs> uh, in typical fashion, can you repeat the question? Some early Americans believe that the item in the black box is created when heat makes the soul living inside so angry that it bursts out of its home. Today, a couple might share it on a date. What is it? Popcorn. Pop popcorn. Popcorn. Why not? Why, why, why would you say popcorn? It, when it gets hot, it explodes, comes out of its home, quote unquote. And if you're on a date at the movies, you could share popcorn. Okay. Now you can. You have three lifelines. You can switch the question. You can get more time to deliberate. Uh, <laughs> or you can, uh, if someone gives an answer and it's not appropriate, you can change the answer. Are you trying to say that I was inappropriate with the popcorn? Are you locking in popcorn? 
Oh, God. The I, correct I, you know answer to this puzzle is popcorn. <laughs> All right. I got it. All right. I'm sm- I'm a smart. It is. But that kind of lateral thinking is really great. I love it. <laughs> Okay, I got you. You see, I, I, you see that kind of crap I can do. <laughs> it, no, it really it was a very fun show, and it was one of those I could have done it uh, kind of puzzles. Uh, so he hosted this rare show that only lasts like a few episodes in America. And incidentally, I love how you tried to get me to question myself, incidentally. I'm sure that was part of the charm of it. And that's why I'm, I'm running for game show host of everything. I want to host every game show. Because <laughs> uh, you, you had me going. Okay, cool. And that's why I'm going to host every game show. I can do that to you. <laughs> uh, Jordan for Weakest Link Revival. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> so so 1000 Heartbeats was like the last game show I saw of him after Million Dollar Mind Game. And I loved it that much, too. He is a great host. Now, in this show, he's not really asking questions. He's sitting on the sidelines. The only time he right. really stops in is... When someone needs, either needs to take a break or when somebody is is like either they they just finished the game, you got 1,000, you can stop or go on. He basically kind of kept the flow going without actually doing the actual question asking. It's like he a, would go from – he would help progress from section to section without actually asking the question. Yes. And it's just, it was, it, it's, um, it's, it's like a robotic voice. Now, one thing I got to bring up here is what's so important about Cash Out? What's so important about all of these games? Because if at any point in your game, you lose all 1,000 heartbeats, the game ends and you leave with nothing. And Stay calm. We got this. So, so it's the hang in there. So what I love about this is when you lose, and I've seen this happen multiple times. It's like the best effect because what happens if someone loses all 1,000 heartbeats, the set just turns dark black except for the red plate, and it has this flatline sound effect that's almost like the Price is Right losing horn for the modern day. No, it's not. It's like I'm at work and I just killed somebody. Exactly. You killed somebody by, by, I by means of a that contestant. sound. <laughs> So you and it's great because it always breaks in right in the middle of the song too. So it's like that do do do, and that's how it is in real life too. As sad as it is, <laughs> and then it's like and then you hear it fades, it fizzles. It's not just like a solid flat line effect. It's like a and then Vern's like, almost, oh no, you were so close. <laughs> it almost sounds like the emergency alert system's breaking through. It is, and then the and it's like you're supposed to like I guess fake that the contestant died in the show because the flatline noise, but pretty much, yeah. <laughs> but it's you know what's funny? I love how flatline noises are like universally known. It is, and it, and the thing is, it's usually when you hear it, and there's by the way, there's no beat noise when you hear the show. I should point that out too, because also when people think about heartbeats, they just think of the beep beep beep. No, only the metronome people hear that. It really is. You just hear a string quartet go through. <laughs> and you see uh, a, a sign. And the set, by the way, it's very... Uh, I'm not going to say cheap, because it really isn't. It's very 
uh, I would say sterile, almost like a hospital, sterile, like a nice sterile set. <laughs> you know what it is? It's simple, but yet technologically high up. It is because it's because it's basically imagine three video monitors because uh, one's going to be like in the center and that's your main game where you see all the visual games or math. One's on the right side, and that just shows like beats per minute. So it goes 96, 112, 46. And if it goes from 112 to 46, something is definitely wrong with you. Uh, it is It is in my line of work. And then in the left side, it's supposed to be the, the, the level. It's supposed to be where you're at in the game. Right. And then in the camera angles, when you see the contestants stare at the screen, sometimes you get a nice shot where it's the person standing on this big white circle plate uh, that has like a little dot. It's supposed to be the mark for them to stand on. Which incidentally looks exactly like a cardiac telemetry electrode, by the way, the ones they attach to your chest that actually looks just like this. I never knew that. Maybe that's exactly what they were going for. Because if you, if you, uh, if you wear a cardiac monitor and they put the electrodes on your body, they're usually circles and there's a dot in the middle. That's where the plug for the cardiac monitor itself plugs into. Maybe that's what they were going for. That's what I, when I first saw that, that was initially what I thought. I was like, oh, wow, it even looks like a cardiac electrode. I am mean, guess that's intentional then. I'm actually going to say, like, that's probably intentional with the show and the set design. And you know what? Somebody, people that don't do what I do for a living probably wouldn't even have noticed that. Because I did not notice that either. This is why you're a great guest for the show. Because <laughs> all yeah, I'm noticing is, like, look at the string quartet, and they have, like, head well, earphones well, you know in. and. In most, most people don't even know that my job even exists. <laughs> so, I mean, this is kind of, like, interesting. And when you see the camera shots of, like, here's the person staring at the screen, and then it's, like, right in the background slightly, you can see the string quartet, and it's the same four, and they're playing with the bow going through the string. It's fascinating. And it's so talented, because when you hear them play the string, sometimes they're playing it very slow, and it's not... And then when it gets into that big extreme, you're seeing them and they're just like real fast with the bow. And you know what? And there's something about there's something about uh, those that play string instruments like that. They're always very intense. And it adds to it too, because now that they're playing it intense, that's gonna knock you out of line too. Yes. Because even if you go to like a if you go to like an orchestra concert. And you take notice of the, those that are playing the string instruments. They are serious about it. And it's and that just adds to it beautifully. And I think that's also one of the best parts of 1000 Heartbeats is just there's so many different layers that makes it a technologically advanced game show while still being somewhat on the cheaper end because of the way it's handled. But... uh what I, let's see here. We we the, the set's also very blue. It's also a very blue set. Lots of uh Dabidi Dabidi, very blue. Very also poly like I'm not gonna say polygraph. It's the uh because it does have like a grid shape. It's supposed to have like a little grid too. Electric cardiogram. Yeah, because that's where I think they were trying to aim for here. Right. Well, I mean that's what a standard EKG paper would when I love I mean what I love it. And also the heart. Oh no! It's the uh, one is the beats per minute. The other is the one thousand heartbeat clock. That's what I meant on the left. Yes, three. that's right. Not the level. Um, 
That's only when yeah, they would, beat the game if you would look that at they that, see the level. If you would look at that guy, Chris, social media, you would have seen that picture. And it's such a, oh man, just such a fascinating game. And then, of course, they follow, there's no, like, jump scares to startle them. There's no shenanigans made to, to screw them over in this game. It really is just, can you handle a basic quiz? <laughs> right. Well, there's a string quartet playing. I do think if they had added the um, the uh, the beeping, the synchronized with the heart rate, we in our field we would call it the QRS beep. There's a reason for that, but um, uh, that would probably really make them crazy. It's like it's kind of like um, if they were to add that tone, it would be like if you were on pyramid and you were in the winter circle and you heard that beeping of the clock every second, it would just drive you crazy, like freak you out and make you stress out. Uh, the technology. Uh, the, uh, for its first game to ever carry credit for heart rate technology, which is from Hidalgo, they supply the equipment. So if you want to play at home, uh, spend the thousands of dollars. <laughs> yeah, for the yeah, nice, uh, very nice, expensive home game. I, I mean, I, I love, I, I would, if I can buy it, I would. Uh, <laughs> and what, what I think. There's a lot of reasons. Well, you know what? Not for nothing. Not to interrupt, but you know what? In the world of Fitbit and Apple Watches, I'm surprised that they couldn't come up with a home version, like at least a mobile version that could attach to your watch that could do your pulse. And that would, that. I would like that. You see, uh, I'm thinking. Out, I'm thinking outside the box, the black box with the popcorn. Thinking. Well, don't 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 think of Q. By the way, that's a different game show. No, 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 no. I'm not talking about that. But I think, <laughs> oh, man, I might be on something here. I better get, I better patent that. Quick. You got to talk to Barnstorm Media about. Can you? Yeah. What add time the is ab- it? Oh, damn it! It's twelve thirty at night. I'm. They're probably closed. <laughs> no, because because it's Britain, so therefore it's probably six a.m. They're open. They're morning people. Oh, there you go. You're right. Uh, it's two violinists, uh, one viola, one cello, in the string quartet. Uh, and one crazy bald man in the hat named Paul Bear. <laughs> uh, also known as the creator. It was a creator, and I think that's also interesting. Is that you never that really... is neat. That is really neat. Because I never really you never see a creator of a game show physically show up on the game show. Yeah, like if you do, it's usually like because it's like a special episode, or first or last something or whatever. It's not like a daily routine. I think that's kind of and shows because it, and because the main set piece besides the heart monitor in the games is the string quartet. He's also technically a focused point too, right? It's not like it's not like Hollywood game night where it's you know, hey, let's give it up for the scorekeepers, (laughs) Dean Butterworth and the scorekeepers. No, it's not that. (laughs) You the way you you just sounded like he's a case of top three. Here's the scorekeepers with the latest hit. Coming up at the number four is a band by the name of Whoa. Dean Butterworth okay, and the Scorekeepers. Wow, you really did just sound like Case of Case, and that's creepy. Coming up is this great song from Sans Undertale. <laughs> uh, just uh, did you know I'm the voice of Robin the Boy Wonder? <laughs> for some reason, I knew that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> And uh, there was this nice theory, by the way, of when do you cash out? When's the right time? And uh, a website called GameshowTheory.com, which is one of my favorite game show websites because it has all the percentages and numbers. They actually have like a percentage you would win the show based on 
the likelihood you have of cashing out. Wow. So this is like a whole website dedicated to statistics. It is. It's all statistics. And they're kind of saying like a right around 250, right around 250 is when you have a 50 50 chance of winning the game. That sounds geekily awesome. So if you have more than 250, you'll have a greater chance. Less than 250, it slowly decreases. Uh, based on all the statistics, uh, the most that they have on their statistics, about 74, 75, gets you about 18% chance. And that was like the lowest they ever had because everything else was at zero. <laughs> oh, jeez. Now, tell me something. Did any, did, uh, because I've only been able to see a couple episodes, um, did anybody get the grand prize? Uh, no. The one that is the, I think the only one that has won the main game is the $10,000 win. Okay. So nobody ever made the amount. In no, the 55 no. um, I was curious about that. I wanted to ask you that tonight. I knew that. One, the closest was someone got the 10,000. And the thing was, they were so calm. And they cleared through, like, the uh, the cash-out game with, like, 200 left. They were like, okay, I'm done. And then Vernon was like, you know, you have so many heartbeats left. Uh, you want to try recall <laughs> for fun? And then he screwed it up. And then he screwed it up. And he would have lost. So it's like... It's a tough well, game. Well, not for nothing. That recall, I could never do that. I It would depend on... It would actually depend on the sequence. I would be okay if it was just letters or just numbers, but because it was alphanumeric, I was like, okay, forget it. There's no way. Well, it, it was like, it's like when they... It's like when they threw letters into... It's like when they threw the alphabet in the math. I was like, okay, that's it. I'm done. <laughs> What's wrong with that? No. Um, <laughs> so... Now we go through the, the my favorite part here. Should this show ever go to America? Should this show ever be revived? Is this like worthy of a revival? Well, as far as it being um, an American show, uh, there's actually, I was thinking about this earlier. Uh, there's two reasons why I, as is, there's two reasons why I don't think it would work in America. Uh, the first one, which is actually... Um, the one, dare I say, the flatlineable flaw of the show, horrible dad joke, um, is the fact that everyone's pulse is different. I know this from monitoring these damn things for 20 years. You got people whose resting heart rates are 60, those that are 100. You got people that are super athletic, they're resting at 40. You got people that are super out of shape or have bad cardiac history that their resting pulse is 120. Let's face it, America is not exactly one of the healthier countries in the world, thanks to all the goodies that we have red bull i don't know what you're talking about this podcast is sponsored by rain total body fuel rain total body fuel the ah that's like a candy store in a can it's we are uh the fun fine people at buzzcast uh media but the buzzcast podcast network decides to i have to, to promote uh, Rain Total Body Fuel, available in a bunch of free flavors, including Lemon HDs, Orange Dreamsicle, uh, Carnival Candy, and more. Watermelon tastes like Sour Patch Kids. The, you, you, so, you're, you're, so you're a fan of the melon? Yes. There I like the folks. melon. Chris Lane, podcast the, guest, the, not paid for by Rain Total Body Fuel or <laughs> Buzzcast Networks, says drink the, a melon. And the, <laughs> and the blue ones taste like airheads. <laughs> I mean, I'm, telling I'm more you, of a lemon person because I like that soury taste. It's a nice sour. That tastes like lemon starburst. But the, you know what? Why I kind of like the, the I know we're going off tangent of the game show, but you know why I like that a little bit more than like most of these energy drinks? What's that? 
It's that you not know, like with like Red Bull or any of these others. Yes, you get that like rapid heartbeat, like oh shit, oh god, oh jeez. Yes, and I mean there is some of that in Rain. Heads up, but you don't get that feeling. You don't get the crashy feeling. You don't get that crash like right when after like four hour four hour five after you drank it. Right. You just and <sighs> and and you're forgetting another great part. Zero cal. It is zero cal and zero sugar. By the way. Yes. Even though you're saying was... it tastes like candy, no, it's zero sugar. Well, so did vitamin and vegemin, but there's no alcohol. And so, folks, that good point. Get your rain total body fuel. Get your favorite alcohol and mix it up. Oh boy, did you just give me some ideas? Uh, Bugmane endorses it. Why not you? <laughs> <laughs> Buzz Buzz says the Bugmane, not me. Uh, <laughs> I would just uh, drink a lemon HD and just call it a day. <laughs> But no, I don't get that crash. <laughs> and what happens is, like, it's perfect if I drink it at n- noon. It's like yes. 9, 10 o'clock. I'm ready to go to sleep. I'm fine. <laughs> <laughs> it's the perfect drowsy right at 9. Not a crash and burn. It yep. works. Uh, but <laughs> but I'm pretty sure if I drink one right before being a contestant on <laughs> Thousand Heartbeats. Uh, no, you wouldn't want to do that. <laughs> I would be walking out of there with nothing. <laughs> right. <laughs> even though so, but that's also something to bring up by the way too now you think about it because we're talking strategies on this game show is yes. that because you're talking different body types of people and different i don't think that's really a major factor uh for this well here well here's the thing i when i was watching the episodes over the weekend rewatching some i was trying to find like a comparison of episodes that would prove the point a little bit now the one episode i was watching probably i think it was the one that you were talking about earlier where the guy was calm, his pulse barely hit over 100, uh, and he was calm, cool, and collected. That's perfectly fine. In the same sense, there was a female contestant on another show who had about the same body type as this other guy. Um, You know, maybe a little bit thinner, but maybe a little bit more active. Her pulse was frequently going over 140. Now, that's a difference of 50 beats a minute. And when you're counting down beats per minute, that's fast. I just think that some people would have more of a disadvantage than others just because of their physiological structure. Absolutely. What I what I would change as far as that is concerned, especially if we were to bring it to America, um, I would try to find a way, I don't know how, I wouldn't know how to do this, but have them be monitored like for a couple of hours before they go on the air and come up with a median, like come up with some kind of a sliding scale where, okay, if your average pulse is between this and this, this is how many heartbeats. That's the only thing that I would change as far as that's concerned. But don't get me wrong. Uh, this is just me speaking as somebody who's where cardiac has been their bread and butter for 20 years. The average person is not going to realize. So it's one of those things where I just feel that some contestants might like it's one of those things where if you take the contestant whose average pulse is 90, put it up against someone whose average pulse is 140, they can answer exactly the same with the same stress levels. And one could come out with a lot more money than the other. That's my view on it. And of course, it doesn't affect that I like the show. I think the show is still very well done, but I think that is the one main flaw with it. Oh, see, my flaw with the game is also in doing with that, but in terms of tape, uh, if you tape in the morning, for instance, like it's 9 a.m., 8 a.m., 7 a.m., mm-hmm. you're the first one there. Maybe you didn't have a cup of coffee or maybe you just, just had that one Starbucks coffee that's in the, in the craft table or in the green room. That, that's true, too. You have to consider the time of day. That's actually something I didn't think of. That's a good point. Versus the last wait, tape day of the show, number six, seven, you might also be you, a little sleepier and might 
But if you're right. in, that, in that unfortunate afternoon slot of 10, Where 11, already, 12, 1. You're wide awake with some form of caffeine in you. And that's going to have an unpleasant heart rate. Hmm. Now that, I never even thought about time of day. That's a good point. Because I know me, I'm usually more hyper alert, you know, in the afternoon slot. Right. Well, usually I'm more, I, I, I live backwards because I work night shift. I'm usually hyper around midnight. Which so that's is why about, we're recording this at midnight. <laughs> right, exactly. Uh, that's uh, one of those things where, uh, you know, like it would be equivalent to your news. So I totally get that. Uh, but if there were, if there was, if there was a 1000 Heartbeats game show, here's how I would have done it. Uh, first off, it's an hour long game show. This show is an hour long game show. Uh, yep. Two, uh, Game Show Network. Because I can't see any other network that would pick this show up. Oh, my uh, gosh. <laughs> but I know, like, like, I mean, what? You want, like, ABC to try this or NBC? <laughs> I mean, NBC, now I think about it, because they do do Small Fortune now. NBC does. They experiment with some interesting ideas. From the producers but, of Ellen's Game of Games comes a brand new. But here's the, the other issue. Or Fox. Because then, because you have the whole promo I, package. I was thinking, of, I was thinking Fox. I was thinking Fox. You get the Mark one... Thompson narrator, and you hear in the background, "We got the beat, we got the beat, we got the beat, we got the okay, beat." Okay, that okay, that is terrible. And then Mark Thompson's like, "It's the only game show." <laughs> now you see, everybody knows that the, the theme song should be either "Rhythm of the Night," <laughs> the, rhythm. the rhythm of the night. <laughs> Or it could be uh, with every beat. Rhythm is a dancer. Uh, rhythm is a dancer. Uh, you oh could also. Uh, oh, 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 no, because they're because it's Fox, mind you. Michael Jackson's beat it, and they're thinking heartbeat. Oh, for God. hey, why not? Uh, Don Johnson's heartbeat, <laughs> which incidentally was originally recorded by Helen Reddy. Welcome to Fox's new game show, where to win a hundred thousand dollars, all you need is a pulse. Oh, I'm sorry, I left that at home. Can I go back and get it? They're strapped to heart monitors and have to go through rounds of gameplay. <laughs> but if they're uh, out of the, <laughs> but if <laughs> if they beat, can they beat the beat? <laughs> we got it. Chris oh Jericho gosh. hosts one thousand heartbeats. Oh come on! <laughs> well, you got to think someone of Guy Fieri. Like, what do you want? Like, someone you got to have someone hyper. You got to have a hyper host. Now you see, if this was the '80s, it would have been simple. Richard Simmons. <laughs> I mean, he would. Uh, let's see, who's a more Terry Crews? Maybe then, because you want to go with athletic. Then Terry Terry Crews. Oh God, what about that guy? Remember that guy? What the hell was his name? He was always on uh, Amazing Discovery back in the '90s. He was doing that ellipse. He was selling that that exercise machine. The guy with the Tony long Little. ponytail. That's it. Could you imagine him screaming technique? Tech. <laughs> I Hulk Hogan? No, we're not getting Hogan. We will, no, won't no, stoop that no, low. We'll get no, Jericho no, 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 instead. No, no. <laughs> uh, so, so the way I wrote it is: here's the uh, the uh, I wrote even the ladder. Uh, One thousand dollars, two thousand five hundred dollar ladder. Five thousand for game three. Ten thousand game four. Twenty five for game five. Fifty thousand game Maybe six. One hundred thousand game seven. And of course, cash out. Bingo, because that was my other issue with bringing it to the U.S. In the U.S., we are accustomed now to five-figure prizes, at least. Well, if you're going six, you're going six-figure if you win the whole game, right? But and it also starts it, with, and it's also the game show classic in the U.S. of the one thousand-dollar game one first question, whatever. True. 
Uh, because over in Britain, it starts at 250 pounds. I don't know what the equivalent is that to American. About 500-ish. Okay. But but it's a little less now because of the wonderful thing called Brexit. Are we going to talk about Brexit again? Brexit. <laughs> this is why we should vote to leave the EU. <laughs> vote to leave. No, run stay. We're voting to no deal Brexit. Deal or no deal you Brexit. Know, Hard deal what, Brexit. Jer- Hard. New Jersey has been wanting to do a Brexit forever. It's called North and South. We've been wanting to divide for years. <laughs> well, if, I mean, if, if 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 Jersey wants to Brexit, all they have to do is just kind of live more in the North and just stay from New York. That's kind of what I've noticed. <laughs> well, that's the problem. Uh, everybody in the upstate New Jersey by New York City, they're the reasons that all taxes are down here in South. But that's and and not only that, but we have some other gripes with North Jersey, you know. Kevin Smith, I understand. Well, we got Kevin. Well, well, we want Kevin. Well, we want Kevin Smith. He has to come to us. Red Bank and South can be okay. Okay. Um, but um, what do you call it? It's all about you know. Do you call them Jimmys or Sprinkles? Actually, me and Mike Klaus were just having an argument about that. The other oh, day. okay. Well, I'm not gonna. Do you want me to say my answer or? I know your answer is going to be Sprinkles. Yeah, because I like Sprinkles and <laughs> they're fine. And plus, it's the cupcake company it's, here. I'm from. It's a, West Coast. It's a South. It's a South Jersey Philly thing. It's the same thing with pork roll versus Taylor ham. It's- That's actually a very funny clip in a Chinkara wrestling show. Oh, really? Okay, so it's a pro wrestling spot. Is there's uh-huh. these, there's a tag team, and they're called I think El Hijo de Ice Cream, and they're just based on ice cream. So it's like imagine big ice cream cone heads, giant- oh, all out, all exactly. all in like they look like ice cream men. And then one of them, because you have to do like the whole dangerous spot, you know, like the, oh no, they brought out the barbed wire. Oh no, they brought out the steel chair. For this team, they reach into the bag and you're thinking thumbtacks or something gross. And they're throwing in ice cream sprinkles on this wrestling floor. Oh my God. So they're wasting all these jimmies on freaking, are you serious? Oh, then you hear the announcer, Gavin Loudspeaker. He's got the sprinkles. He's got the sprinkles. Jimmies for some. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, Jimmy's for my armpit of the world. Well, it's because it's South Philly, so it makes sense for them. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. It's it's. Listen, there's actually one place down in Wildwood where there's um like a boardwalk and all that. So if I, you I, want, if you want Jimmy's, it's twenty cents. If you want sprinkles, it's thirty. What, where I come from, which is a nice place in the West Coast, Mister Softy, the sprinkles are always free, just like a smile. Well, how much is it if I want Jimmy's? It's free. There actually, really is like a, there actually is a rule that they call it Jimmy slash Sprinkles because sometimes they're visitors from the East Coast. And... <laughs> Are you serious? Yeah, they're really nice. <laughs> oh, my God. You see, they just make everybody happy. We're made, it's, it's, a real, uh, it's a real positive place. So the thing is, it really depends on where because if you do like the ice cream truck and you say Jimmy's, they're kind of like, well, I don't know what you're talking about. But then again, I once. But then again, you say Oreo, and then they try to correct you. Don't you mean cookie pieces? Cookie pieces? What's that? It's just Oreo. It's just the crushed up Oreo. Yeah, the Oreos. Who calls them cookie pieces? The, the people who want to not like not say the brand name of Oreo, so you say cookie pieces. Ugh. Oh, or or just cookies and cream. Yeah, it's, but no, no. Why would I? No. That, well, that's like that's like if you go and you get like a milkshake. You know, they have cookies and cream milkshake. You say, "Can I have an Oreo milkshake?" They're like, "What?" That makes sense. Uh, <laughs> I'm like, Seriously. So, so I guess we got to turn back to the. So yeah, so then it ends with like a guy getting power bombed into the 
the sprinkles or Jimmy's di- for some. As we digress so far off it's topic, fun. but that's cool. Mike, Mike Klaus of the, uh, uh, that was a thing on TV podcast. Uh, <laughs> that's, that's, that's his show. That's his fun little show. He apparently talked about the match game Hollywood Squares hour. Yeah, that was their premiere one. Funny how that works, hey, Mike. I, you hey, go on my podcast. Hey, I, go on my podcast. You hey, decide, oh man, hey, I'm going to talk about TV. Hey, I didn't participate in that one. I participated in Jennifer Slept Here. <laughs> and if that makes my if that makes your opinion of me any better, boy, do, do I have something to tell you? That's right. Why don't you bring me on to talk about that Elf Talk Show from TV Land back a few years back? Oh, I used to love that. <laughs> hey, hey, uh, what's uh, what's up with uh, you, uh, William Shatner? <laughs> Not Shatner's Ron Irv. It's next to V. Ha. Uh, so I think that would have made, uh, my kind of show. And then you have like, I, I, so I wrote down just Jericho cause he did downfall and he has like a, a beat frantic. Um, other than that, no, that, that's how I do. That, it's, not, it's not, and it's not like he wouldn't be the first wrestler. I mean, look at John Cena. He's hosting fifth grader now. I'm actually, if you're going Fox, I mean, the only reason if they were going Fox, maybe it would be easier to do a John Cena or a WWE superstar. Cause Jericho's now AEW. So maybe it would. If it's a Fox, they would want to have a WWE. Uh, True. Oh, that's a good cross promotion kind of thing. That's what they do now on Fox. Versus if this was like a Turner owned channel like TBS or even GSN, they wouldn't care. <laughs> <laughs> and then you, of course, can probably spring. If it's Fox, then they may spring the budget for National Orchestra too. Yeah, why not? Uh, it, it, why not go all full stop? Why don't you make it a million bucks and set it at the Hollywood Bowl? <laughs> and. Get the Philharmonic yeah, out there, and, and now you know what'll happen. They'll have they'll have a laptop with a dial to adjust the speed. Boring. Oh, that's right. If it's GSN, it would just be like a MIDI file and Canyon dot mid. And then it's just some guys like speeding up by putting in like a percentage filter. Do 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 do. The guy will the guy will be there with a with a turntable with an adjustable speed, and he'll just like flip in the dial a little bit every now and again to make it seem like it's faster and. Now hosted by Twitch from Ellen's Game of Games in the Ellen Generation. No, no, not going to happen. But I I love the show so much, and I want to see it revived uh, in many ways. But Chris, before we head on out here, did you know this is a game show podcast? I'm sorry, what was that? Did you know this is a game show podcast? Oh, is that what I'm doing tonight? Yeah, so we do end the show by doing a game show. Okay. It's a speed round. Alrighty. Five questions in 60 seconds. For every correct answer that you get, Chris, you get one free plug. It can be anything that you enjoy. Okay. There's five free plugs on the line. Are you up for it? I'm up for it. Let's go for it. All right, then let's put 60 seconds on the clock. Ding. What's your favorite fruit? Watermelon. What's your favorite video game soundtrack? Uh, mm, that would be, oh my God, there's so many. Uh, just say Rainbow Road from Mario Kart 64 and move on. You got it. <laughs> Favorite, uh, do you like beets on salads? Beets? Beets. Beets for the Antichrist. What's your favorite musical instrument? Uh, well, I play keyboard, so I'm a little into that. All right, and then what's the last video game you played? Uh, Alone with you. All righty, done. Five for five. 
Five. Lonely Few. And, and game and uh, video game soundtrack GTA Vice City. Oh, you want to go straight up into that? <laughs> you want to go Vice City? That's that's actually pretty clever. Okay, so there is. Uh, so what? there's an interesting what did I, thing. Did I miss something? Go go on. No, what did I miss? No, you got it right. But there's a, a fun thing I bring up here. Uh, you know Kent Paul in the GTA games? Yes. He's in Vice City. That's voiced by Danny Dyer, and he's the current host for The Wall on BBC in the UK. Are you serious? I have to like tell you, he's a game show host now. Oh my god, I didn't know that. He's hosting The Wall, and he has like he's keeping like the Kent Paul uh, style in the show. There's a you know that Plinko game show with Hardwick. <laughs> Yes. Now imagine oh him going, God. "All right, love, this is a contract, and if that they sign it, riot. <laughs> that is a riot. They sign it, they get twenty thousand pounds, or whatever is left in the wall." <laughs> <laughs> oh my God! Okay, all the video games ever made. What are you saying that? You said GTA Vice City. I just might as well help you out there with game <laughs> show connection too. Everything connects oh, to a... game shows in one form or another. That is a riot. Ken Paul is hosting a game show. <laughs> oh my god! Oh no, it's and it's fun because it's like he always tries to be like this motivational speaker type on the show. It's like this oh, is your yeah. one opportunity, your big chance of a lifetime, change your life forever. You go to ever go for it, or you want to take the risk? If you want to take the risk, you got to take that big leap. <laughs> oh my god! And it's just like oh, and it's like it's always is... like a couple, and they're like, I don't know, like I, number five, I guess we'll drop number five. <laughs> <laughs> this is for fifty thousand pounds. <laughs> oh my god, that is a riot! I can't believe I said that. That's so cool. I will. I will send you a link when this is done. You have yeah, five plugs. Do. We have five plugs. What would you like to talk and plug about? All right. Well, let's see. First things first. Uh, well, while we're talking about video games, I do write for a video game blog, retrogamenetwork.com dedicated to retro video games and all kinds of goodness. You can check it out at RetroGameNetwork.com as well as on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at RetroGameNetwork and on Twitter and Twitch at RetroGameNet. There, all right. Do you want to make that two plugs or one plug? <laughs> uh, you can make that two plugs because I have a third one for that also. In conjunction with RetroGameNet, I have a radio show, DJM on FM, airs on WRML 107.9 in New Jersey and online at WRMLradio.org. And I play two hours of video game music every Monday night. If you love video game music and are in the Jersey area, it's likely. Or or worldwide, if you have an internet connection, that fabulous thing called the net. That net. You know, there's a lot of video games. We might just end up having a whole podcast afterwards about just video game music in general. Oh, yeah. Uh, all right. So how many do I have left? DJ, one, you have two left. I have two left. Okay, well, going uh, back to the radio station, I have a second show on that station called, oh my gosh, called The Vinyl Countdown, which was based on Vice City's record store, incidentally. I uh, play uh, three hours of 80s music every Wednesday night starting at 6 p.m. on the same station. So there's a very good synth kind of vibe here going. You're going into like 80s, almost to 90s, like the early 90s. I know, I'm nuts, aren't I? You're, and then you're tackling video game music, which I'm guessing also includes probably indie games and like. I play all kinds of video game music. I play everything from to chip tunes from the NES to full orchestral stuff. Everything in between. 
Uh, and then you have a fifth and final plug. Oh, gosh. I don't know what else I could plug. My Klaus's right. podcast. I was just going to say I was I was a guest on Klaus's podcast. I was going to say that. Uh, you can check it out on it was thing on tv.podbean.com. It was on episode four talking about short-lived show called Jennifer Slept Here. Check it out. Jennifer Slept Here. Hey, there's a big joke about Angelian, my friend. Very proud of that. Are you sure you want to do that? Are you sure you want to? I'll see if there's a connection I... with Jennifer Slept Here in the game show. Uh, let's see. Is there a connection? Let's yes, see. there is. I can do like the whole five shades of bacon thing. Uh, all right, you can do that. Jennifer Slept Here starred Angelian. Angelian was in the film Mr. Mom, which also starred Terry Gar. Was on um, I've Got a Secret. Not I've Got a Secret. On a, yeah. On the oxygen version of I Got a Secret in the year 2000. That works for me. Don't ask me how I did that so fast, but whoopee. <laughs> you did it. You Don't you feel smart? I'm a smart. You, you're smart. You're, you're, uh, I thought, I thought you're, there was going to be something funnier like, uh, hey, uh, and, and Jillian was like a password contestant <laughs> once. Or... <laughs> <laughs> no, I actually went straight through. I couldn't. Well, I am smart. Well, that's going to do it for us here. Uh, talking about 1,000 heartbeats. Uh, well, Jordan, I want to thank you so much for letting me uh, participate tonight. I had a good time with you. No problem. Thank you for for being a friend. Be beating a being a friend. Be I'm trying to come up with a heart pun. Having a heart. <laughs> uh, thank you for Valentine's Day. Wait, this is December. Let's see. What do we have to deal with? Let's see. Thanksgiving's coming up. Uh, I don't know, maybe artichoke hearts, turkey hearts. There, there we go. Uh, now I'm hungry. Let's, let's go get some. Absolutely, we'll, and we'll chase it down with the rain. Thank you, Chris, for stopping by. Uh, we'll hear more from Chris in year two of Game Shows, I suppose, as we try and create the Clue Crew. Okay, not, not really. We just want to make sure there's more frequent guests, so I figure, hey, might as well get the ones who know game shows and are fun, right? Like, I can't get anyone from the Buzzcast Network. They haven't returned my calls. In fact, some of them blocked me on Twitter. Would you believe that? Huh. The tenacity of some people. Oh, well. <laughs> but yes, I love 1,000 Heartbeats. It's just this great show and lots of skill, lots of different clever ways of quizzing. And it made me wonder, like, if there was that series three, if there was that third season, what would have they done differently? What if they have innovated? What would they have created to make the show even more intense? But, alas, the show ended. But, hey, you know, there's an election going on between one Boris Johnson and one Jeremy Corbyn. Who's going to win the prime minister position? UK decides. I'm kind of leaning towards Corbyn. I mean, it should be Corbin, right? Oh, well. And it's now time for the 110-part series exploring every pricing game on The Price is Right. This is The Pricing Game Spotlight. Ugh, my heart's not feeling well. I, I, I don't know. There's just something in my chest right now. It just hurts. Anyway, uh, Bump. Bump. Uh, premiere date, September 13th, 1985. Tape number 5795D. 
Finale date, November 20th, 1991. 8193D. So Bump was, the centerpiece of Bump was a London-themed game board featuring four wooden double-decker buses in a row, each marked with a price. Below the middle buses were the names of the two prizes on offer. To win the prizes, the contestant had to wind up with the proper prices for each prize showing on the bus above the name of each prize. To do this, the contestant had to decide rather to bump the buses to the right, bonk, leaving the first and second buses over the prize names, or bonk to the left, leaving the third and fourth buses over the prize names. The first and fourth buses were marked with the same price, which was definitely the price of one of the two prizes, one of the second or third prizes, which began over the prize names, uh, was the other correct price. But for the price opposite, the one it began over. Jesus, that's confusing. Uh, prices, right, Wiki? Once the contestant decided which way to bump, a model used to appropriate in buses to bump the next bus, which it then punched to this third bus in line into a hole in the game board. And then out of view. The final bus in line was removed by another model before the bump. The left only the two end buses. Uh, and then they would reveal the correct prices. So, uh, okay, <clears throat> that's like the most complicated answer here. Uh, let's see here. Let's just get through the trivia first. Trivia is the last pricing game to premiere before Johnny Olsen's death. Oh, man, rest in peace. The most number of times this game was played on any season was 34. On the game's very first playing, Bob asked a contestant named Virgie to read the name off the board, and she mispronounced it as... Blump. Uh, retirement. One of the game's featured aspects was the provocative wind-up of the torso and bumping by models uh, Diane Parkinson and Janice Pennington. The provocative aspect of the game, plus the end of an off-screen relationship between Parkinson and host Bob Barker, contributed to Bump's demise. Current co-producer Stan Blitz also stated that the staff desired at the game to make the show more family-friendly. Surprisingly, the Australian version of the game... Uh, it still was in existence from 93 to 98 in 2003 to 2005. Okay, so I like this game. It's an A-B game. So it's an A-B game where you can win two prizes. So it's kind of like one right price. At the same time, it's also uh, an interesting way of how to handle it. So there is one correct price. So imagine like $3,000. Is it the TV or the trip? Now, one of those is 3000 So, whatever you pick, we'll bump uh, the cars, and then you will decide if it's correct. Alternatively, as your second clue, is this worth 4000 or is this worth 3000 but they're on opposite sides. So, which direction you want to go? Right to bump this way or left to go this way? Kind of like coming or going, uh, which is a f another fascinating game. I think this game could continue. I think this one worked. But I didn't really understand the London getup for this. And I think the provocative nature of the bump and the windup eh, didn't really work well. What I think would have worked well enough is if you themed it around bumper cars. Like you had a carnival motif. And you had the bumper cars have the different prices. And you see like the 3000 here and the 3000 there and then the two prices right there. And then Drew would say like, okay, one of these is $3,000. Which one is it? 
bump if it's this, bump if it's that, and then when they bump, and it's kind of like an emotion, like they have to like slap it. Like the contestant slaps the car, and it causes the 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 motion to hit the car, to bump them both on, and then you can knock both other cars out. That would have made a more fascinating uh, game. Because, I mean, they do that all the time with side-by-side, and and if you have like something that's kind of like a slap or kind of like a push, like they do pushover. This is just pushover, but the contestant can push the bumper car. It would be a much more interesting game because then they can always like do the look at the audience like, should I move it left? No. Should I move it right? Yeah. Okay. That would be a more exciting game. It's an AB game. It's a quick game. I think the only reason it was going to the provocative nature of it which could easily been fixed if you make it bumper cars and you get rid of the the bump with the butt, the bump butt, uh, into something that's more silly. But it's an A-B game. I can see it revived. It might never be revived, but oh well. I I enjoyed it. It was a nice quick A-B game. Next time on Pricing Game Spotlight, we will be Adam Up. We'll be adding him up with Adam Up. The game's called Adam Up. You probably forgot about it. <sighs> you know, people get depressed over the holidays, and I can now understand why. You know, it's the rush, the busy, the stress, the anxiety. I get it. And then for me, I just I get exhausted. And sometimes there are these things where it's just like, you don't know what's right, what's wrong, are you doing the right thing? You just start doubting yourself. And I was so excited to record tonight's episode. You have, I love doing this show. I love recording game shows, I suppose. I don't know who's listening to this. It's probably like three people, maybe three. But... Something about just talking about game shows always makes me smile, always makes me laugh. And I always love talking about new formats. I always love talking about great game shows. And I'm not kidding. I think this game show took the entire energy out of me. Uh, It is a show called Top Elf on Nickelodeon. Now, it's a Christmas-themed game show based around the holidays where kids are called elf testants, and they go on a soundstage that they're called the North Pole, and then there's an actor playing Santa Claus, and then there's an actress called Mrs. Jingles who's also like playing a secretary kind of thing, so it's like The Apprentice. And then there are elves, which are actors, and they all have really silly names. And the idea is supposed to be like a creative competition show, but also like a heartfelt show as well. So I'm going to read off before I get to my review uh, what the TV Guide talked about for this episode. This is the first episode, by the way. Santa transports seven extraordinary elf testants to the North Pole to compete for the title of Top Elf, like Top Shelf. Uh, YouTube sensation Alex Wasabi joins Santa and Miss Jingles to judge giant holiday card creations. Yep. Anyway, so I, I wrote the format and I took notes down. The format, each episode, the elf testants have to create a toy or a card or something based around the holidays uh, in a project. 
Uh, Santa and Miss Jingles are the judge, as well as one famous uh, celebrity guest, like Frankie Grande. The first part of the show is the Fast Flurry Challenge. It's a physical challenge uh, to get an advantage in the creative challenge called the Snowstorm Challenge. For the first episode, it was balancing Christmas ornaments on a tree. I I remember that on, on Big Brother. Uh, whoever won that gets a special advantage going into the snowstorm challenge. So in the snowstorm challenge, contestants must create something based on the holidays with an elf contractor artist to impress the celebrity judge Alex Wasabi. They had to create a giant Christmas card, as I just read. Uh, so the advantage was they got, uh, they all had to do a selfie on the front cover and then inside the card they got decorate arts and crafts so paint glue confetti and they had four hours to construct it like making it the, the advantage was you got a special basket of extra things that would really impress the judges uh so after the four hours are up they all finish gluing stuff to a card and, and writing and spray painting or whatever the uh, Alex Wasabi, Miss Santa Claus, and Miss Jingles looks at each card and comes up with their great interpretation. And they go, oh, oh this is fantastic. Oh. And uh, one of them will be given the Golden Snowflake, which is a prize, which gives them not only immunity for the week, but also a small price package from Spin Master. And probably a small donation towards their charity. Like that the big animate thing here was they're not playing for themselves, they're playing for like a good cause, like a charity like clean water or no kid hungry or, or something like that. And I'm unsure if like if you won the golden snowflake of uh, oh what am I saying the golden snowflake? <laughs> this is a game show. If they win the golden snowflake, if they won the little trinket, uh does the production company also give like a small cash bonus to the charity so it's like oh the clean water foundation gets three thousand dollars or the the red cross something i didn't really fa- get catch that i it was mostly focused on crafts and the the let's get kids to do confessionals i'm i'm after seeing paradise run for a few seasons can we please stop giving kids confessionals? Kids aren't good actors at doing confessionals. They really do the, oh man, I really hope I'm not on the, it's just, uh, it's so, mm, that's such a negative to me. Uh, So whoever did the worst, whoever the two worst people are, they're on the Naughty list. Get it? Because Santa Claus is naughty and nice. So whoever's on the naughty list after uh, the Snowstorm Challenge, the creative Christmas-themed competition, does a head-to-head competition. Another physical challenge where one stays, the other goes home. Whoever's eliminated obviously cries because they're fucking kids. They're damn kids, kids. The kids are crying. Kids are sad. And you're basically playing Santa Claus going, oh, ho, ho, you didn't do so well, but we will see you again. <laughs> it's it's awful. It's an awful show to watch. 
the kid gets like a, a stocking because everyone's names are stockings and when you're eliminated the stocking goes off the the fireplace and you keep it and there's also small toys in there right that's good right yay but so much of the show is everything i dislike about a lot of game shows a lot of modern creative task the the grand prize whoever's the top elf gets twenty five thousand dollars and fulfills their wish list to a charity which is i guess a good thing like i can't get mad at these kids for doing like a cool charity thing and i'm guessing cool toys as well which is also neat but at the same time it's awful really bad improv a really bad set really awful competitions i get it it's themed around Christmas. It's the holiday season. Christmas time's here. Let's do a game show based around Christmas. You know, I'm sure there's going to be like a cookie decorating round as well. Um, but geez, this is, this was painful to sit through. After watching America's Most Musical Family where I thought it was going to be bad before and in my like, oh, it's actually great. This was... I had a nervous breakdown reading the PR. When I saw it, it made me even more question, like, who uh, okayed this? Who thought this was the good show? (laughs) Because I did not have an ounce of fun watching this. If the purpose of uh, one of these creative shows is to encourage kids, like, if I, I think the intention here was. You were supposed to create these over-the-top creative challenges so that if you were a kid, you can see the competition, and then much like Great British Bake Off or much like MasterChef Junior, you would say, oh, I would do this. I would do that. This is what I would do. You kind of don't really have that spark of imagination watching this show. And I think that's the crucial part of this show is you need to have that spark of creativity. This is a creative-based game show. And at no point watching it did I really feel like, oh, kids watching at home, you should make a Christmas card. Or look how they did this. Here's how they did it. You can do this at home. Because to me, it feels like that should have been the focus. The focus should have been like, if the first episode was Christmas cards... Why not show like Santa or Miss Jingles or one of these like artists go, well, here's how you can do a Christmas card at home, kids. Your parents will love it because remember, you made it yourself. Something like that would have made a lot better sense than let's do Christmas puns and say things like Elfie because, oh, geez, so many bad puns. Alex Wasabi, sure, like YouTube sensation Alex Wasabi. I'll, sure, fine. But between social media star, improv, improv, and a bunch of actors and artists who can't go by like, hi, my name is Sebastian. No, that they say, no, I'm Jingle Dancing uh, Cookie, and I love dance, and I love eating cookies. Yeah, something like that is just, ugh. It's just 
no, none of this feels genuine. None of this feels right. It feels like some stuff was tacked on because, well, we can't just do the creative show. We need more physical challenges because kids love mess. So can we have like a big goop of whipped cream and call it a snowstorm or something? Sure. That's it. That's all I'm seeing here. It feel it was a mess of a show. This might be one of the worst shows I have seen this year. And the problem is the kid contestants are fine. Like I can't like yell at kids right now for this because these are kids who are very creative. They all, they whoever did casting for this did a great job of having a diverse cast of kids from almost all 50 states. Like, like you have someone from the Midwest, you have someone from New York, you have someone from LA. It works. But the competition itself was a mess. You do a physical challenge for an advantage in a creative contest, which is judged by two actors and an actor. Three actors have to judge a creative card competition, not an artist, not a decorator, just, you know, a guy dressed as Santa Claus and an actress and Alex Wasabi, YouTube sensation. What does that have to do with being an elf? I don't know. Christmas cards. And then the two worst, because they already feel bad. You're already kind of said, yeah, you did the worst. You're not really giving constructive criticism either. You're just kind of like, well, you're on the naughty list and you could be a lemony. <sighs> Let's give them a physical challenge. So now there's a head-to-head competition after, like, after the creative competition, so they're already exhausted for the day, and then they have to like build a sleigh or something, and it just didn't work out. This felt bad. I feel bad for all the kids who were contestants on this, because it sounds to me like their heart was in the right place, but the production staff didn't really know who was this for. This isn't really a family game show. If I was a kid, I'd be bored watching this because there's no point do you go, yeah, this is cool. Yeah, that's great. Oh, yeah, Alex Wasabi's there. Not, you don't even get that much Alex Wasabi. If, even if you're there for the celebrity, you're not really getting the celebrity. That It's like a mess on all fronts. And it is a hot mess. I think there is a way to do a creative game show. I think... They had a right idea to get a kid's creative game show in play. But to theme it around Christmas, to have a physical challenge and then have an advantage and then have an elimination and then have the two, it didn't really feel right. It didn't, none of this feels exciting to watch. When the contestant gets eliminated, I felt really bad. I felt worse than I did like with most adult contestants on game shows. Because this kid is like seven, eight, nine years old. They're crying. They're in tears. And here's an actor going, oh, well, you well, you have to leave the North Pole, but it won't be goodbye anytime soon. Like, like, it's just, how do you, like, justify this show? This is a show where there is an actual, like, glimmer of hope. There's a glimmer of, like, something here could work. If this was, like, a YouTube thing, like, Drop That Seat, where it was, like, eight minutes long, and it was, like, two contestants, and that was it, sure, maybe you could have worked something there. If they did some sort of, like, fun, like, wild and crazy kids type outdoor challenge to lead to a outdoor card construction, cool. Maybe have pairs 
This seemed like a show that would have been great as like a school game, like one class versus another class. Who can make the best Christmas card? Something like that felt like this was the original purpose. And I didn't really feel holly jolly. This really took a lot out of me. This didn't feel like a game show I would recommend to kids. Because it just says to me, like, look, Santa Claus is very critical of your work. And, you know, elves, they love to do this stuff, I guess. And it it just, it's a hot mess. And it, it kind of really, really bummed me out. It was like, how can they drop the ball so much, Nickelodeon? I don't know who picked this up, who okayed the format. I know what their intention is. They wanted a fun Christmas show, and it's silly, and it's goofy, and it's Santa Claus. But it just did not work. I It didn't click to me. Maybe it will click to somebody else who might be fans of Frankie Grande. You know, those kids who love Frankie Grande's work, not Ariana, Frankie. It it's why it's a real question of why other than it's a filler show because it's Christmas and we need a Christmas product. That's the only thing I can have thought of there. There is a glimmer of like interesting, like there's something interesting here. I'm trying to find like something positive out of this and I, I got nothing like the competitions at least are even, I guess. Like everyone's on a level playing field playing these games. But it's like, what if we did Big Brother and those Big Brother challenges and in between that we did Making It? Like that's the way I can explain it. It's Making It meets Big Brother because it's the Big Brother like power of veto games and then they did like a Making It. What if you had to create a, a cool car like that that's it. That's all I could think of. And it did not work. I disliked it. I thought there would be something redeemable watching it, but even the competitions I saw were boring. Overlay that with the kids doing the confessional and they have to ham it up because whoever's in charge of the contestant coordination has to be like, "So how did that feel?" Oh, it was tough. Well, can you just like really exaggerate? It was tough. Well, it was tough. I don't expect these kids to be child actors, but if this was like a creative game show, I'm sure they're way more creative than whatever was the competitions they had in mind. They could have easily went overboard with the creative. I would have loved if this was even more creative. There are game shows that I enjoy a lot. There was a game show in the UK called Beat the Boss, where it was a team of kids, and they had to go up against a, like a marketing executive in sort of like an apprentice competition over like who can make a better ice cream flavor or a candy or a, or a toy. And then they would create it and test market. It was really cool. That felt like what this show should have been. And it was kind of done rushed because we need to have Santa Claus and we need to have Mrs. Claus or no, sorry, Miss Jingles, not Mrs. Claus. And we have to like somehow overlay the charity explanation in between all this. 
which also made it very confusing. So it's kind of like going, eh, well, like the paint is drying and I don't know if the glue is working. By the way, I'm playing for the Make-A-Wish Foundation and I don't know what, what if I can do it or not. It just, it was rough. It really is rough. I, I, I feel ashamed to like say, don't watch this because I know maybe there's someone out there that would like it, but jeez, Nickelodeon did not even do a promotion for this show either. Nickelodeon is dropping the ball here with these game shows and the promotions. And if this is supposed to be their Christmas special shows, like five episodes of this, I would want this to be like really cool. Like, Watch this after double their holiday week. Something. Anything. But, uh, oh, well. I, I, I'm i not going to give it an F, though. I would I was this close of giving it like an F because of how frustrating the show is. But because there was so many unnecessary, like, competitions and this and that. But considering there is like this level of like they were trying to think of stuff and they try to come up with puns and all this stuff i give it a d minus i think they went more towards the world building aspect of the north pole and santa than necessarily the challenges and games to be played uh that i did not care for it's a d minus it's a d minus show one of the worst shows i have seen this year but I can't like, I can't really get that mad. It's just exhausted. It just took out everything out of me. But uh, thank you so much for tuning in. If you have a game show you want me to talk about, let me know on iTunes. Give me five stars. Let me know. If you have a, you want to say hi to me on Twitter, I'm Jordha, J-O-R-D-H-A. Feel free to go to jordanhaas.com slash podcast to listen to more episodes of this. Uh, join us next week when we talk about another great game show. I suppose. Until then, big smooch. Mwah!